Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, it's Matt Denby and here's what's coming up on this week's Binge List. We were both practically lying on the floor, groaning and writhing around. I thought that was cheap, I thought it was lazy, and I thought that it was dishonest. Oh, speaking of not funny... So I was quite shocked by it all, to be honest. Everyone's now able to accept Sheldon as a sexual being. You've taken everything from me. Hashtag save Wentworth. Hello everyone and welcome back to Binge List, your weekly guide to what's happening on Aussie TV. Joining me back in the studio this week is Gavin Scott and on the line from Melbourne is the wonderful Claire Rigdon. Welcome back guys. Hello everybody. Hello. Well it's been a huge week for TV, one of the biggest this year in fact, so let's dive straight in. Well, we've all been in agreement that The Handmaid's Tale has been one of the best shows of the year, but with season two just wrapping up on SBS and SBS On Demand, the fan base has been split right down the middle. Everyone has an opinion about the very divisive ending, and we're no exception. Now, a big warning, we are going to cover some major spoilers from the last episode, so if you haven't watched it yet, maybe put your fingers in your ears hmm. right now. The cliffhanger has everyone talking. Gavin, did you love the fact that our heroine refused to leave Gilead or were you on board? I was um I wouldn't say I loved it. I wasn't really expecting it because I thought right, here's a chance she's going to get out and and you know that's going to be that and we'll see what happens if there's a season 3. But when it started playing out and they had the slow motion and she's walking towards the van, I'm like, "Oh, she's going to give the baby to Emily." I understood it. I was like, right, she can get one kid out of Gilead with Emily, who she trusts, who she knows really well will do the right thing. And now here's her chance to get Hannah. She's not with anyone. She can go off. She can go rogue, maybe get some Marthas to help her. And um, of of course, she's going to go for Hannah. All this season, Hannah has been in her thoughts and she's been wanting to see her and, and that happened. And Hannah said to her, you know, why didn't you try harder? Now it's her chance to try harder. What about you, Claire? Yeah, I um I watched this and 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 I was quite shocked like you um when she handed the child over but I instantly thought of course like as soon as she made that decision in my head I I, I kind of thought well, without a doubt I would do 100% do the same thing. I mean, I I love the thought of June staying on to fight for Hannah. And in the process, just burning down the house. Like, how great was that? The music they they used as the as the credits were kind of um, rolling of burning down the house. I was like, yes, oh my god, this is absolutely the most perfect ending to this season. Um, I mean, I, I, you could look at it cynically, and a lot of people have that it's just a way of kind of continuing on the plot with the current crop of actors. Because obviously, if she goes underground and signs up for the resistance and and then then the next series will presumably be about her emily and baby nicole trying to get out of gilead um 
But yeah, so I, I think a lot of people were like, oh, this is so obviously them just trying to kind of cash in. But I didn't feel that at all. I mean, as you say, Gavin, it's all been about, um, you know, trying to save her daughter. And and I feel I, I just really loved the idea that this quiet revolution had begun, that the whole time in the background you're seeing these grey, nameless, faceless Marthas who are just in the background constantly. And I just loved the fact that it was them at the centre of this episode helping her escape. Um, what did you think, Matt? Do you think that the Marthas will be frustrated that she hasn't taken their help and chosen to, to leave Gilead? Well, whatever the Marthas do, I may never find out because I'm one of those people who felt very disappointed and even betrayed oh, really? by the finale. Yes, I oh, am. Oh, no way. Wow, yes. that's really strong. Yeah, yeah. Look, I didn't buy her decision not to leave Gilead. We've had two seasons of her uh desperately trying to get out of that place and now she's finally given the chance to leave and she declines at that moment i really felt like uh, a mouse that was being tortured by a cat you know when cats grab mice and then they let them go they let them go just so they can jump on them again that's what i felt like i felt like the producers were jumping all over me i felt it was really out of character with the whole show she's been um desperately trying to leave this place for so long she's had a couple of chances to leave or perceived chances to leave that have really got us uh emotionally invested and now it's all been pulled away from us i am one of those people who thinks that this has only happened so the show can continue i do feel like it's a betrayal of the original concept I I do think that, yes, of course she's going to care about her older daughter. That has been established through the whole thing. But she is in uh, the equivalent of Nazi Germany and she really needs to get out. We want her to get out. And now this has happened, I feel the whole rug's been pulled out from under me. Let me just say, though, that this is one of the best shows of the year. It's just that now that we've come to the end and we see where all the threads were heading – it's not as good as it could have been. And no, I'm very I disagree. Sad. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, Matt, but I just feel like a lot happened in the final two episodes of this season. I feel like um, June, in overhearing that conversation that Serena has with Fred, where Serena is just laid bare and she says, You've taken everything from me. I think that she's had a realization. Well, Serena's obviously had a realisation that it's all been for nothing, that she's basically everything that she's been working for has been used against her and she's left with nothing. All she has is the baby. And then in those final few moments, deciding to give her to June, she's left with nothing. And I feel like June recognises, has has now had this realisation that she's not just doing all of this stuff for her and Hannah, she's doing it for all of the Serenas and all of the Marthas and all of the Junes and all of the Hannahs and all of the baby Nicoles. Like, and that sort of goes back to her saying to Emily, call her Nicole, because I think she's given this gift back to Serena of, 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 of partial ownership of something because she's been left with nothing. I feel like she, she feels like she has a duty to, she's like the ultimate martyr. What do you, what do you reckon, Gavin? Are you with me or are you more with Matt on this? No, no, I'm with you to an extent. I don't agree with June saying call her Nicole, um, and I'll get to that in a minute. But I do agree with you that that, that June has seen, especially what happened with Nick's wife, she's Mm. seen what is waiting Hannah and and what was waiting Holly slash Nicole. She has seen what young girls who grow up in Gilead become, and that is often dead. So I absolutely see that she would think, all right, here's my chance to get Hannah out. I, I've got, you know, I'm, I'm on my own. I can 
do whatever I can do and, and you know, I've got to try. So I'm totally with you on that. Calling her Nicole, I, yeah, I'm not really on board with that. I kind of feel like the whole relationship between June and Serena has been fascinating this season, but I don't feel that June would have completely forgiven Serena. I mean, you know, a couple of episodes ago, it was Serena's idea to have another ceremony just to keep June in line. Yeah. And I know that... her husband to rape her. Yeah, I know it's full on. And I know that, um, you know, a lot has happened since then. Serena's lost a finger. And, you know, there were periods of time where June and Serena were kind of in cahoots. But I don't really buy the fact that at the end of season one, June's like, oh, okay, yeah, let's forget about all that. Call her Nicole then. That's fine. Don't don't call her after my grandmother. Um, So, yeah, I, I don't really like that element of the finale. But I did like, um, yeah, how much time this season has been spent on the June and Serena relationship. But Matt, what's your take on that? Yeah, look, the Serena situation, the change in Serena is something that bothered me even more than the ending. I was really, really annoyed by this. I thought the decision to change her from a hardline ideologue into a sympathetic character who is questioning Gilead, I thought that was cheap, I thought it was lazy, and I thought that it was dishonest. It actually made Ooh. me really, really mad. Really? It absolutely did. It absolutely did. She was a hardline ideologue who helped design Gilead. She is someone who's witnessed probably multiple people she knows personally hanged, mutilated. She's backed it up every step of the way. And now we're expected to believe at the very last minute that she's changed her mind and decided this is a corrupt system that she doesn't want her baby to be brought up under. I thought it was a blatant narrative pivot I thought it was unbelievable and I thought it was an insult to viewers and that's my real Mm. feeling about the way that this has gone. I think with Mm. Serena, um, she has always supported Gilead until it wasn't working for her and now it's it's not working for her. She's been on board, on board. In fact, you know, she helped design it. She she was there at the start. But now, oh, she's not allowed to write. She's not allowed to read. She's not allowed to do anything. Exactly. That's exactly how I feel, Gavin. And I feel like it's it's taken all this time to sing Thinking, oh my gosh, what have I created? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah I think a lot of what you both say is true. Like I, I, I do. I mean, it definitely was a bit sort of jarring, but I, I kind of, I really just think it's testament to how good Yvonne. Sro- what's the surname? Shravshovsky. <laughs> it's real testament to her performance because, and she's been nominated for an Emmy, which is just so deserving because her journey this season has been every bit as compelling as June's and possibly, in my opinion, even more so, because at the end of this episode and the end of this season, I was left feeling like a gender traitor, to use the words of the series, because I was left both loving and hating her, pitying her, despising her, but kind of in a weird way identifying with the situation she was in. Like, how have the writers got me to feel sorry for Serena? She's been so complicit in all of this horrendous stuff that's been happening to June over the last couple of, you know, seasons. But the fact that I was left, like, in that scene where she hands the baby over, I was, oh, I felt, my heart was ripped out. And it's just, like, it's so wrong that I'm now feeling sorry for her because she does not deserve an inch of our, of our um, sympathy. But, yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like now I've just – it's really galvanised my hatred for Fred because at the heart of all of this, it's Fred. I mean, what a despicable person. I mean, that, that scene where he sort of 
kind of says to her, I, I can't believe that you're not thanking me for letting you see your daughter. I mean, that to, to me was just, it was just horrific. Um, yeah, and the slap that, that June gives him. I mean, wasn't didn't that just give you a bit of hope? Wasn't that just the most awesome, like I was just cheering the TV when she did that. But, that was um, yeah, yeah, that 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 was awesome. Um, oh, Fred really showed his true colours, oh. didn't he? He's um, oh, he's so great. He's just, I mean, he's awful, but yeah. like, how great is Joseph Fiennes in that role? He's yeah, he's really good. He's very slimy and um, really has has become the main villain now. He, he's just been awful to to his wife, to uh, and the way he kind of yeah plays June, like he you know he thinks that he can you know, offer her little tidbits of, of favour and, and then just come down hard on her. It's really, really quite horrible. I mean, the men... Like, like an abusive father or something, you know? Yes. Like a, oh. And then, oh, and now I'll let you see you, Hannah, because I feel guilty for raping you the other week. Um, it, it's, yeah, Fred is, is quite a, a complicated character. Another complicated male character is um, Commander Lawrence, played by Bradley yes. Whitford. Mm. I found him really fascinating. What did you make of him, Matt? He was an interesting one. I had him pegged, though, straight away when we heard the records playing in his house and some of the sort of ambiguous behaviour from some of the people who lived in his house. I wasn't surprised by the way that his character turned out at all. That was not a shock and not no, a surprise. No, me neither. Not at all, not at all. I can't say he's particularly interesting, though. I think that he's a bit uh, two-dimensional, but maybe we'll see a lot more of him when Season 3 picks up. And speaking of Season 3, what do you think is going to happen, Gavin? I would like to see the resistance mayday. We, we've seen little yeah. bits of it. We saw them blow up the, um, you know, in that terrorist action where they blew up the commanders. Um, so we and we we've seen them kind of whisk off it off with all those little clues out of the hospital. So we know they're there. We saw the Marthas. They're obviously part of it as well. I would like to see. June do a deep dive into the resistance and really see how that's playing out. And I would like to find more out about Nick's role in the resistance. Mm. I find Nick fascinating. And about halfway through this season, I was terrified for Nick. I was like, oh, Nick's a goner. He had that wife who was, you know, I was like, she's going to dob him in. Something's going to happen to Nick. He's, and, you know, when he got dragged away from the farmhouse, I was like, right, he's dead. He's gone. But he always bounces back. Yeah, he does. And then, you know, that cliffhanger where he basically tells Fred to stay inside the house, you know, how is he going to overcome that? But somehow he will, I'm sure. I'm, I'm fascinated by Nick's role and, and his seeming power in Gilead. I mean, he's a driver, yeah. but he seems to have all this power. Well, can I just talk about the big thing we haven't discussed yet? And that is uh, Aunt Lydia's demise. Oh, yes. Or, or now, is she dead? Well, spoiler alert, I read an article, um, I read an interview with one of the creators this week who said um, that he was just going to put it out there and say, no, she's not, she's going to be back in season three. Um, I think his exact words were something like, if anyone can survive being stabbed in the back and thrown down a flight of stairs, it's Aunt Lydia. (laughs) For sure. So, I mean, yeah, she, but that scene with Emily, um, knifing her in the back and it was just so perfect so good but the big question mm. is is like has she been left to to, to burn like have, has commander lawrence lit that fire um to kind of cover up the crime but then you know knowing that she is alive in this next season well then you know what's what 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 is that all about i mean and what's happened to command like commander lawrence is going to be implicated in all of this no matter what happens so, yeah, I think that was really well, that was a really good sort of narrative um, 
trick to kind of get, move things along. I mean, they, they planted a lot of seeds and a lot of clues in that finale episode. What do you reckon, Matt? Are you no, you're I, out? It sounds like you're out. Well, I disagree with you about uh, the Aunt Lydia scene being perfect. It wasn't perfect for me. She's probably one of the most wicked, evil, vicious, appalling characters in this entire franchise. She's scooped out people's eyes. She's burnt their hands on ovens. She's uh, sexually enslaved people, brutalised them. She is the epitome of evil in Gilead. And I didn't really believe even for a second that Aunt Lydia was dead. I'm not buying it at no. all. So, yeah, it, it didn't uh, excite me. But, people, if you want to read more of my rantings on this subject, I have plenty more to say. I've written an article for the WHO website uh, titled Why I'm Getting Out of Gilead. It's already had a lot of reaction. If you want to check it out, give that one a Google. And, guys, you can check out the rest of The Handmaid's Tale on SBS On Demand. It's still available. Make sure you watch it. It is, despite all my complaints, one of the better shows this year. And it's kind of speaks to how good it is uh, that I'm feeling this disappointed by the ending because I was oh, extremely man. invested in it. No, I, don't, I, I loved every minute of it. Five stars from me for the finale episode. Okay, guys, let us know what you think about it. You can reach us on Twitter. Mr. Matt Denby, Gavin Scott 99, and I am Claire. Binge List, brought to you by Who Magazine. Now, who would have thought that a show about a bunch of nerds would take the TV world by storm? We've had 11 seasons of Big Bang Theory, and the biggest nerd of all, Sheldon Cooper, is walking down the aisle. Yes, his wedding to Amy Farrah Fowler is taking place on July 23 on the Nine Network, and we've all seen it. Claire, did you think it was funny? Yeah, I did. I mean, I've said before that I'm not a huge fan of this show, and I definitely don't like Chuck Lorre's um, work on the whole. But um, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that I was quite a fan of young Sheldon, which inadvertently has kind of got me quite liking the Big Bang Theory, which is so strange to think that a spin-off show could be the thing that drove me to rediscover the original show. But um, I feel quite invested in Sheldon getting his happily ever after because of the other show that um, sort of introduces him as a kid. It's really great to see his family pop up in this episode. I don't want to give too much away about what happens. But, um, yeah, Gavin, what did you think? You're kind of a bit like me. You're sort of on the fence a little bit about this show. Yeah, I come and go with this show. And, and I my interest in The Big Bang Theory picked up once Amy and Bernadette were added to the mix. Mm. I always liked Penny, but obviously she was only the one female voice who kind of, you know, sparred with, especially with Sheldon, but with, with the nerdy guys. But once I added Amy and Bernadette, it just really opened the show up and, and made the humour a, a lot sharper, I thought. Um, and I really love the episodes that, you know, show the dynamic between Amy and Sheldon and their crazy oddball relationship. I have to say, though, I didn't find the wedding episode that funny. Oh. You know, your, mm. you, you know, Claire, how you feel about Modern Family Holiday episodes? Yes. I feel about guest star-packed event sitcom episodes. I, I found oh. the wedding episode of Big Bang Theory, they're so busy getting in Mark Hamill and Kathy Bates and Jerry O'Connell. I'm not really spoiling anything here because it aired in America ages ago. But there, you know, there's so many guest stars in this episode. Um, it, it's such a big event that it, it takes away from the normal humour that's in the Big Bang Theory. So I, I wasn't finding myself laughing out loud. It was nice to see them get married, 
But um, but yeah, I, I didn't love it, I have to say. Matt, and you? Look, I live with a huge Big Bang Theory fan, so I've seen every episode a million times. I can recognise <laughs> that it's funny. I don't often really laugh out loud, but it is kind of an amusing thing to be running in the background. And I think with any sitcom, no matter how great they are, the longer they run, they're not usually that funny. Just because you're so familiar with the scenarios, mm. with the characters, with the brand of humour, it's just pleasant viewing. But no, I, my sides were not aching after this. Although um, Amy Farrah Fowler's wedding gown was hilarious. And I find her <laughs> hilarious. I think she's great too. What I think is funny is the way that everyone's now able to accept Sheldon as a sexual being and that he's even even able to love or even touch someone else. Because when this show started, he just couldn't relate to other human beings and was re- completely repulsed or disinterested by relationships or, or sex or anything like that. So they have developed him a bit. I'm not sure whether I find his character progression to be particularly believable, but do you need to believe this? It's a good show, it's amusing, and I think it'll keep running as long as the people involved are still prepared to do it. I mean, it's been mm. confirmed for season 12. This was the season 11 finale, the um, the wedding. I mean, season 11, Friends only went for 10 seasons and it was showing yeah. its age by the end. But um, I, I feel like this would have been a great series finale uh, and not just a season finale. This would have been the perfect way to cap off 11 years of the Big yeah, Bang I'm Theory. Yeah, I thinking that. And I feel like to stretch it out to season 12 is just, you know, when we're focusing more on these characters like Bert and Stuart, who really I couldn't care less about, um, I, I feel like... Like the Big Bang Theory needs to wrap it up at the end of the next season, and and you know that's that. Just as a side note, can you imagine how rich everyone involved in this project <laughs> is after twelve seasons? I read today in um in the news that uh, uh yeah the guy that plays Sheldon has just recently listed his Hollywood mansion for eight point five million dollars. I mean, hello, like he's a sitcom star. <laughs> You've got to wonder how much they're all getting paid. Millions. A lot. In other TV news, probably no show has grabbed more headlines this week than the debut of Sasha Baron Cohen's new comedy series, Who is America?, which is available on Stan. If you enjoyed Borat or Bruno, you'll know exactly what to expect from this. This time, though, he's focusing more on the political divisions in America in the Trump era. Is this comedy out of date, or can Sasha still make us laugh? What did you think, Gavin? Oh, speaking of not funny, I did not laugh in Who is America this first episode once. I, mm. you know, I just... I feel like I liked Ali G back in the day. I, I liked bits of Bora and Bruno, but I just feel like this dressing up with bad prosthetics and, um, you know, pretending to be someone you're not to try and get people to say embarrassing things. It's, it's just been played out so much. And I feel like the, the whole premise of this show, which is um, trying to get people to say things they're embarrassed about or, you know, things that you can go, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that on camera. People are saying this kind of stuff on Twitter. People are saying this stuff in social media all the time. No one is yeah. ashamed of saying stupid or horrible or ignorant things anymore. That That's the world we live in. So I feel like it, it lost some of its impact because we live in a shameless time. Claire, what did you think? Um, yeah, I, I actually enjoyed it. Um, I, I get what you're saying, Gav, but... Um yeah, for, I was quite shocked by it all, to be honest. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect. But the thing that really got me and my husband while we were watching it was we were both practically lying on the floor groaning and writhing around because it's just so uncomfortable to watch. It's that whole thing of like, you know, when you're watching The Office of Ricky Gervais on, and his character and you're just like, oh, it's so awkward. Everything is just so awkward. Well, these are real people, so you can multiply that feeling by like, a thousand and we were just like just going oh my god oh my god oh my god the whole way through um 
So I kind of can't disassociate that feeling of like that visceral feeling of like, oh, from the show. Um, yeah. What did you think, Matt? Were you a fan or? Well, I agree exactly with what you just said. It's uh, incredibly awkward moments. You're watching, you're cringing, you're embarrassed for the people involved. Yeah. Yes, there is laughter. I did laugh sporadically in this, yeah, but I, I, I was also yeah. on the edge of my seat with embarrassment and feeling the social awkwardness of it all. But you know what? Despite my complaints or my reservations, I am going to watch it next week. And I think a lot of people are because we've got some big stuff coming up. We know Sarah Palin's going to be punked yeah. in it. Various other people are going to be humiliated. And because it's going to be so newsworthy, we're all going to be attracted to this, watching it like, you know, moths to a flame. Um, I did recently also watch uh, Sasha's movie Grimsby, which was on Stan. Yeah. And it had yeah. a lot of the same issues with this, um, although, you know, perhaps a bit more gross-out humour. I think Sasha is a bit of a one-trick pony. He is very good at what he does, but I don't think he's got a lot of diversity. And I'm not sure we'll still be talking about him in five or ten years' time. Yeah, it, it is a bit of a one-trick pony. The thing I was going to say is... Um, I was really surprised they started this, you know, brand new show, which we basically got no warning about. He kind of Beyonce'd it a little bit. It kind of just dropped with very little warning on Stan. Um, was they started with the Bernie Sanders segment, which was really kind of awkward and unfunny and not awkward in a good way that you two seem mm. to like. It just, I just don't feel like it worked. Um, and the thing that did work, the toddlers with guns, which was shocking and I can't believe people were saying what they were saying was shoved right at the end of the episode, by which point I'd kind of tuned out. So I feel like if all this good stuff is coming later in the season, why did they start with a segment that just made, if anyone looked stupid, it kind of made Sasha Baron Cohen look a little bit stupid with the Bernie one. But, um, yeah, I mean, I will probably check it out again because everyone is going to be talking about it. And, you know, I, I like to be on top of what people are talking about. But, um, yeah, I, I do feel like he is a bit of a one-trick pony. Yeah, but what an amazing show for Stan to secure in Australia. Um, it's obviously airing, is it on Showtime or something over in the States? Yeah. Um, but this is a show that people are going to subscribe to Stan to watch, I reckon. So it's actually a little bit genius for them. So I think it's been a really good acquisition. Agreed. There's some worrying news for Australian drama fans with speculation growing this week that Wentworth may be wrapping up after Season 7 no. concludes. Yeah, it's really worrying. Um, They say that it's down to financial incentives drawing up after this season finishes filming. Claire, I know you're going to be as upset as I am if this turns out to be true. Oh, devastated. Did you hear my cat in the background also weighing just in with a meow, with huh. a annoyed meow yeah i'm i'm gutted about this i mean i have to admit I've, i'm yet to kind of deep dive into the most recent season just because i've been snowed under with other things to watch but um yeah i i'm devastated i i feel like there's so much more life in this show um especially with the introduction with some new characters do you think matt it's because some of the mainstays are now out of the show you know joan's not there and danielle mccormack's character's not there like if it if it's not a hundred percent funding base, like what are the reasons for, for for like wrapping it up now of all time? Um, funding is the only thing that makes sense for me because yeah. I'm still incredibly engaged by this. And one of the things that uh, Wentworth has been so good at doing is refreshing the cast and bringing in new characters. I haven't really been missing B to be honest, or even the freak at the moment. I have. Have yeah, you? No, yeah. I have. Yeah. I think it's a shame that if this show goes off air, so many great actresses and actors have had a fantastic run on this show. It's wonderful for bringing new talent to our notice. Um, if it is down to the fact that it's reached its maximum number of hours to get our funding from Screen Australia, I think that's very sad and Screen Australia needs to look at changing its rules again, don't you think, Gavin? 
Yeah, I, I think a show shouldn't stay on TV because it, it can't get Screen Australia funding. I think a show should stay on TV because it's still good. Um, you mm. know, I'm not the biggest Wentworth fan like you guys, but, uh, you know, getting to the end of Season 7, perhaps that is long enough for Wentworth. You know, after Season 7, when you get into Season 8, 9, 10, it's the very rare show that can sustain it. Maybe, as you guys think, Wentworth could do that, but, uh, you know, sometimes it is worth going out on a high. But, uh, yeah, like you, I would be disappointed if it's all down to the cashola, but isn't everything. To binge or not to binge? That is the question. This week, Gavin, you've been watching Season 4 of Unreal, which is available on Stan. What did you think? Well, this is another show that kind of came with very little warning whatsoever on Stan once again. Uh, we only watched Unreal Season 3 a couple of months ago and, you know, wouldn't have expected Season 4 to come for six months, 12 months, but here it is, eight episodes, all bingeable at once. Um, and this time, Everlasting, which is the reality show within the show, uh, is having an all-star season. So for those of you who don't know Unreal, it goes behind the scenes of a Bachelor-type show and their show is called Everlasting and it shows what the producers get up to and how they manipulate the contestants. Uh, so in an all-star season, they're bringing back some of the male contestants we've seen before, some of the female contestants we've seen before, a whole lot of people we haven't seen before because when Unreal started, uh, Everlasting was midway through its run. And it's kind of got a bit of a, more of a Love Island vibe on the show. But, of course, what we all care about is what is going on behind the scenes with the producers mm. and the contestants and who's sleeping with who and who's being a bitch to who. Uh, and there's plenty of that this season. The thing I would say is that it is beginning to feel a little bit same old same old um they're all just so nasty to each other and it's kind of you know what depths can they go to this season claire what did you think of season four yeah i i wondered whether they'd um sped it through because they had really good content but when i watched the first episode i was like maybe this is more of a churn and burn i i'm a huge unreal fan but i was left feeling very confused by the first episode and like i'd missed something major like was i not paying attention like i actually had no idea what was going on for a lot of this first episode did you have that sense gavin or was i just not paying attention and was a bit distracted i yeah it it took a while for the exposition to explain where we were and how long it had been since season three and that kind of stuff um so i did yeah it, it did take me a while to go hmm what's happening what's going on but um, I actually spoke to your friend and mine, Claire, uh, Australian <laughs> actor Adam Adam Demos, who uh, who plays August. He was in season three. He was kind of like the hippie hippie guy from Australia, um, and he's actually from Australia. Uh, and he's back in season four as an all star. And here's what he had to say about this brand new season. Between seasons two and three, they waited such a long time. And, uh, yeah, I feel like I don't think the fans... I think the fans wanted it to come out a little sooner. And so we we had season uh, four shot before three even came out. So I just think they were like, well, let's just, you know, let's not make them wait again and let's just keep the momentum going. Was it always the plan for you to be on two seasons or were you surprised to be asked back for season four? It definitely wasn't always the plan, as in I only signed on for season three, so... I feel the way my character went and, um, you know, the show is about ultimately Quinn and Rachel and I feel like August served a really good purpose for their story and, and so the storyline they went with season four, it made a lot of sense for, for me to come back. Now, the obvious question for your character is why on earth would August go back to Everlasting? <laughs> I know, mate. I know, but after everything they did to him, right? Exactly. But... 
But so the thing is, he goes back because I feel like he he went on and it was all a shock. And he was very naive to the whole situation. So he goes back to four with his confidence of I know how you guys operate now, and I know all your tricks, and you've done the worst you could do to me. So now I'm going to go on and I'm going to control control things, and I'm going to play my own game. And so that's why he goes on. And, and so he goes on thinking that it's not going to happen to him again. He's definitely not as smart as what he thinks. And they are a lot smarter. But, um, and yeah, he feels like he, he knows how to play, so he won't be, um, he won't be blindsided this time. So that was Adam talking about uh, Unreal Season 4. And, um, yeah, I mean, if you're a fan, it, it, you'll like it. It's more of the same. You might not love it as much as previous seasons, but um, but it's kind of consistent with what we've seen before. And hopefully it does all build up to something rather dramatic at the end. It's time for this week's Hidden Gem. With the passing last week of 1950s movie heartthrob Tab Hunter, it's a great time to check out Tab Hunter Confidential, an excellent doco on Netflix. It's a must-watch even if you only have the vaguest idea of who he was, as it's a great study of the creation and demolition of a star, but also a first-hand account of the complicated relationship between stars and the celebrity media. Tab was thrown under the bus by Hollywood power brokers when a tabloid came after Rock Hudson over his sexuality. With Tab more disposable to the studio, his pre-fame bust at a gay party in Hollywood was fed to the papers in a deal to snuff out the Rock story. But stars also manipulate the media and their public to their own benefit. This doco can contains fascinating first-hand accounts of how Tab's dates with starlets were fixed and faked, and his image as a boy next door was crafted. Things went south eventually for Tab, and he ended up on the dinner theatre circuit, but his career was later revived by cult director John Waters and the drag queen Divine. He ended up happily ever after, after a very tough run, rejecting his fame and declining even to watch his old movies on TV. This is a great examination of fame in the media and a good introduction to Tab for modern audiences who may not know him well. Check it out. Tab Hunter Confidential is available on Netflix. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. If you love this episode, please make sure you're subscribed. You can subscribe on iTunes or Omni and tell your friends, please bring more people to our podcast. We're loving having more and more people getting back to us about the show. You can see us on Twitter, Mr. Matt Denby, Gavin Scott 99 or I am Claire. Okay, everybody, see you all next week. Bye. 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 Bye from my cat. Meow. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.